0: cheers to a great day and this ice cold corona you know what would make this day even better my grandma's carne asada throw in some music we can watch the game or we could keep it simple corona
1: la vida mas fina get your corona at ordercorona.com relax responsibly corona extra beer imported by Corona import chicago illinois ladies and gentlemen friar faithful welcome to the first episode of the ring the bell podstock podcast let's get it started in three two one All right, you heard it in the intro. This is the inaugural episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk. My name is Nick Kreider, a Pods fan, and
0: I'm joined by Heath Bell, former Padres closer. Heath, how are we doing today, man? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? You like my hair right now? My hair is like all over the place.
1: Dude, your hair's Going great. with this
0: hairdo of no no hairbrush. Right, it
1: looks great. So. Uh we don't have a ton of baseball talk right now because the owners and this clown of a commissioner is screwing over the fans right now.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh, Manfred sucks. That's all I have to say. I guess oh, I at my say Twitter that.
1: bio it says fire Manfred.
0: Well, here's the thing, Manfred is I Okay, so baseball commissioner, what the whole point of baseball having a commissioner in baseball was Somebody that was not for the players, somebody that was not for the owners, somebody that was there for the baseball, for baseball. Right. And we had, I forget the first, it was a judge. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm horrible with names. But anyway, and it just, it, it moved into, you know, um, Bud Selick was a commissioner, even though he was an ex owner. And then, oh my gosh, then we have, yeah. And then we have Manford, and it's like, so you basically have not the person best for the game. You have person, a lawyer, whoever, for the owners. Yeah, And it's just been going downhill. And Bud Selig wasn't that wasn't good, but he wasn't horrible. Manford is just he's horrible. Plain yeah. and simple. Because he, he doesn't know the game. He's like a lawyer that just worked for the owners or baseball. And it's like it's... It, it's, it's literally like those people that are making the lineups now in baseball about all cyber metrics and how many guys people get on the whole money ball thing, spin rotation. How about knowing ball players and who can get people out, pitchers and who can get on base and who's just lucky and who just yes. gets the job done. Now it's these other, you know, these 23, 24 year olds out of college, they're coming up all these computer numbers and they think that's the best thing for the game just like Manfred thinks, you know, we're, you know, like I love Manford. one of his comments and I know I'm going to screw it up, but his definitely comment in December was, well, you know, we're locked out. We haven't come to agreement and this is good for baseball. That All, all unions do this. It's okay. We'll be fine. We'll be playing. Sure, bud. Got you. But what um, that's, if you remember in December, that's exactly what he said. And, and I was just thinking, Okay, I'm not in the game. I've, I'm out of the game for a while, but this is going to, this lockout is going to turn into a strike because the players I've heard the players last May submitted like, Hey, this is what we're, we're we want to negotiate. Manford, the owners did not say a word until December. So therefore, if they didn't say a word all year long, and then they started talking to him in December, like a week before the, the you know, the a bargain agreement, you know, ended, I would be pissed too. And I would just sit and go, okay, here you go. And now if you think about it, um, what is, uh, what do you think the players are trying to really do? They're trying to hurt it to the owners right now, right? Mm. So if they're trying to hurt the owners, I think it's something like. If the owners lose, I think it's the first 25 games at home or something like the 25, 30 games at home, they have to start paying back revenue to the, the, new, the, 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 the new TV, TV stations that yeah. actually put them on air like Fox or ESPN or whoever. Right. That's going to hurt the owners.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to go this long. I will say that I thought that we would have, I I totally thought that we were going to get at least 155 games. And as of today, they're canceling more games They're canceling all the games up till April 14th, which is flat out ridiculous. Um, I've always said this and it doesn't rain more true than right now. The MLB needs to take a page out of the NBA's book. I mean, the NBA is so player driven, fan driven, all about the experience. They've grown the game so well. Um, And you know what, like for me, basketball is my third favorite sport, right? It goes baseball, football, basketball. And I just think that that organization is ran so well in the eyes of the players and the fans. And clearly Manfred is just not, not in with the players, not in with the fans, doesn't care, only cares about his buddies, the owners. And it's really sad especially in a, in a time where we were already trying to help grow the game. And this just took a massive step back.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I like the NBA. I really do. I, I don't watch as much as I used to. My son loves it. He's mm-hmm. 18. Um, but the only thing that the NBA did really wrong was, you know, the whole social justice like a year ago and promoted it everywhere. And everybody just goes, can we just play basketball? Can mm-hmm. we just, can we just play? Like we watch sports to just get away from, You know, the hustle and bustle of life and all the bad things that happen in in the world and this and that. So let's, you know, but otherwise the NBA, I mean, gosh, they, they put their players on a pedestal. They, they promote their players really well. They get them involved. Uh, I do believe the NBA does a really good job. Well, you mentioned um, it. You
1: said your your son; he's 18 years old and loves the NBA, right? And yeah, that's exactly what baseball has been trying to do, right? "Quote unquote," trying is grow it with the younger fan bases, and they've struggled on that front. I mean, if you look at basketball right now, I mean, if you, I think if you probably pull the majority of middle schoolers to high schoolers, what their favorite league is it probably is goes NFL, NBA, MLB, maybe NHL. I don't know soccer. Like, what else is out there? But <laughs> But seriously, I mean, like, it's, WNBA. It, it really appeals to the, to the, young, the young crowd um, with, you know, MLB, or sorry, the, the video game 2K, you know, with NBA Top Shot, which is those NFTs now. I mean, they're superstars, like we just mentioned, are marketed so well. A yeah, lot of those I mean, guys are so young. They're also- I,
0: I still like NBA Jam.
1: Yeah, NBA Jam I'm just really old. Do you classic. even know what that
0: is? Of course. <laughs> of course, man. Getting hot. He's on fire. Yeah. Anyway. No, but, uh, they, they do well. I mean, football isn't bad about promoting players and stuff like that, but yeah, baseball is like back in the times of, you know, Twitter and social media that I'm not really good at and all that stuff. But I mean, every other besides the, um, uh, besides major league baseball, basketball does a great job. Football does a great job. I think hockey even does better than baseball does. And a lot of guys are, I mean, we were told when I was playing, don't even, you know, watch what you say. Don't even, you know, tweet about after the game, this and that blah, blah. And so it was kind of like, should we do it? Should we not do it? So I just kind of left it alone a little bit at the time. And then uh, I do a little bit here and there, but it's one of those things that now it's like everybody does it and it's actually good for the game. It's good for your team. It's good for your personality. So for sure. I mean, I think Manford is horrible with all that stuff.
1: Oh, totally. And you see guys even talking trash to each other sometimes. I mean, Tim Anderson, you know, gets into it with some guys sometimes when he hits a home run or he strikes out and, you know, Brad Keller is the opposing pitcher. And I mean, that's fun. I mean, I, I don't mind the trash talk, but also like the opinions and say what you will about Trevor Bauer, you know, I mean, whatever's going on with his legal issues is one thing, but what he was doing on the side of YouTube and what he was doing with his Twitter and stuff. Like I think more players could do stuff like that to help grow the game as well. Um, I'm not sure if it is just comes down to them being scared or or them being, you know, not I guess accustomed to it because you just mentioned, they told you to kind of watch or you tweet, but social media is it's, it's part of the game now.
0: Yeah. I think maybe major league baseball was telling players not to do things still right. or something. And, you know, you, when you're young, you're trying to listen to this and that. And of course, you know, definitely Trevor Bauer was interventive and like he, I think he was helping the game out. I really think he was, um, until he did what he did or allegedly ridiculous. did what he did. And if he did, I, I can't even fathom. Like, no,
1: it's ridiculous. Dude, Doesn't deserve to play again. Um,
0: you're an idiot. But yep. there's idiots out there. But then again, he'll probably call me an idiot. But um, anyway, it's just. But everything he was doing on social media, I thought was really cool. I yeah. really did. I I thought that was kind of cool. It was different. But he was um, talking about the game, talking about players, this and that, and I was like, man, if I was still playing, I could probably. I got some great ideas. I could do stuff like that. But it's a little bit harder having a family, you know, and seeing for sure you know, taking care of your kids and. Definitely, And after the game and, but um, yeah, I was just, it's almost like, yeah, somebody, a friend of mine told me, he's like, yeah, you were just 10 years too early. You know, all the quirky stuff that you did on the field and stuff like that, that people would just eat up and social media would ate you up and you were the very beginning of social media, but you know, it is what it is. But anyway, so baseball here, I, I looked this up. Real fun fact is you know, all the strikes in the game in 1972, there was a strike and we, in major league baseball, totally lost 86 games in 81. It was, um, that was like the first real major strike. It was 713 games that major league baseball lost. And then in 85, it was only 25, but that's uh, was, I think no way the next year in um, 94 and 95, it was 900 games and 48 game or 948 games. I can't even speak right now. Ridiculous. And that's when they lost the world series and all that stuff. And that's pretty much when Canadian fans were like, yeah, we're not coming back to baseball. No. And then right now we've already lost and who knows if the season's going to end. We've already lost 91 games, you know, and I've, I've heard a benchmark is going to be may people or owners are saying like may is going to be the time frame. And why are they saying may I'm thinking, and my, best prediction. And you tell me if this is right. Cause you're more of a fan is um, you know, nobody came to the games really in April because all oh, it was cold. It was cold. I mean, out West you do, but you know, the weather was cold. You lost a lot of games because of snow or rain, you know, or just coldness or, you know, whichever back East and you know, May is when it starts warming up. So therefore the owners are kind of looking like, okay, we could probably start in May where I think so the players stupid. are like, no, you know, cause I heard, I mean, what have you heard? I heard they haven't even really got close.
1: I mean, to- from what I heard, and this was, this was like a month ago, and this was from a, a, a Boris Corp agent. He had mentioned to me that he said he would be shocked. He said he was willing to put his mortgage on his house, that there would be at least 150, got 55 games played this season um, from each team and that's already gone. Yeah. So anything that I heard is out the window already. And it's, it's pretty ridiculous that they weren't able to come to agreement, but I see where you're sitting, like what you're saying now from the player's perspective of let's stick it to the owners. Let's gut them. And, you know, let's make sure that they lose their money because they're screwing us over, which well, I'm all for that now.
0: What do you, well, let me, let me ask you this. what do you think about the pandemic year? Okay. Let me just, let me lead you into that. Yep. You heard, are we going to play? Is there going to be baseball? Is there not going to be baseball? Hey, there's going to be a hundred games. There's going to be like 80 games. And they basically what ended up, what was the number 60?
1: 60. They blew it.
0: But what did you think about that whole thing as a fan?
1: I was pissed because you look at what the NBA was doing and they made a bubble, right? Mm -hmm. And they pulled it off and they finished all their games and they got a champion and it was legit. I mean, I was in a bubble, but they got it done and it was actually pretty enticing. Baseball, you could argue that it might be a little bit harder to play in a bubble, but like they do it already in, in Peoria for in spring training, right? In, in Arizona yeah. and in, in Florida, right? You put the American League in Florida, you put the National League in Arizona, and that's how you break it up or the East and West teams, whatever. Um, they blew it and they waited too long too because they were just twiddling their thumbs and they didn't know how to make a decision. And it comes from the top, right? There's an indecisive clown, like we just mentioned, at the very top of, of the gong show here.
0: Yeah, it's Manfred said a few things. I can't remember exactly what he said because I would like to repeat it exactly. But you know how he came out and was like, Oh, I think one was like, We're guaranteed we're going to play 100 games. (laughs) And it didn't happen. And then, and I really think that was the owners didn't want to play 100 games because they didn't want to pay guys. You know, they only wanted to pay like half their salary. So it's like, Well, let's go do this. Let's go do this. And I really think they, And this is where I think the union kind of screwed up. And this is why I think the players are really sticking to their guns this year is because during the pandemic, it looked like they were going to play a hundred games. They could have played a hundred games, kind of like basketball played somewhat their full season. And then it got pushed down to like, well, we could play 80 games. And then it got settled on 60, almost because that's what the owners wanted all along even though the players are like, we can get this together and we can play at least hundred, maybe 120, but the owners were like, no, we don't want to pay because we're not going to have fans. So therefore we're not going to make any money. But then again, if you really think about it, and I'm going to probably say this so many times, everybody asked me, how can owners pay millions of dollars to players and lose money every year? You know, do you understand that at all? Kind okay. Of. So here's my understanding is you play 81 games at home. They predict to have 81 sellouts at home.
1: Right. And they never do. If
0: they don't have 81 sellouts, they lost money somehow. So let's just say 81 sellouts selling thousands or millions of hot dogs or whatever. And per you're game. saying
1: that like Oakland also follows that model too, that they think that everybody follows
0: to. that model. I, I was a business owner myself, not anymore, probably will be in the future. But this is what you do. You predict, like, okay, we're gonna, I'm gonna make 300 million this year. I'm selling 81, you know, full uh, sellout tickets, X amount of jerseys, X amount of hot dogs, sodas, all that stuff, parking. So I'm gonna make 300 million this year. I end up making 200 million as a business owner, and any owner would literally go back. We could, we lost 100 million dollars. How did we? We should have made more money than we did, and if you're a good business owner, that's how you're thinking. You're thinking, um, "I need to maximize, you know, my profits," and that's how I do it. After I pay everything, I made two hundred millions, and it's you know it's way up there because teams are worth billions of dollars and all that, right? Because you're getting TV rights and revenue and all that stuff from everywhere else, but just ticket sales. So they every owner's like, "Well, we're losing money." I'm losing money being here. Well, I, I remember when Minnesota Montreal got retracted. Supposedly, Minnesota was and Jesse Ventura, I think his name was, the governor of Minnesota at the time, told Bud Selig to. Yep, he said Bud Selick, um, At the time, they had the highest paid pitcher in the game, Santana, making twenty million a year, and he said, "Open your books. Show me that you're losing money." I will tell all the people that voted for me that we need to retract the Minnesota Twins. Just open your books and let show me, because cook, took actually took him to court, and after that, Minnesota didn't retract. Neither did Montreal turned into the Washington Nationals. So it was just funny how like you don't want to show us the books but you say you lose money every year, Mm -hmm. but revenue keeps going up. So that doesn't make sense. Two plus two is always going to be four. It's never going to be five. It's never going to be three. It's never going to be chicken. So it's one of those things where, so when owners are basically they, they, in the pandemic year, originally they only wanted to play 60 games and players were trying to negotiate. We could play a hundred, you know, we get paid to play mm-hmm. 120. We can get paid our full salary. No. And then they pushed it and they made up Manford came up with all these weird things, even though Manford said, I guarantee you we're going to play hundred games and don't. And we ended up playing 60 exactly what the owners wanted. And originally, and I think that's where the players just went and the union went, okay, we're going to, we're checking that off. We're going to remember this. So when it comes negotiation time, Yep. We're gonna and then then they didn't talk to him pretty much the whole season. So now the owners are like, you know what? We'll stick it to you. Let's yep. do it. It
1: that's- all makes sense. I mean, it all, it all makes complete sense. And it's just it's just really a shame. I do want to talk quickly about some of the the new rules that I think are kind of silly that are I guess a done deal now. I guess they're largening the bases now. Um that's <laughs> one thing. I mean, there is a pitch clock, which I I We're enlarging the tried. bases
0: because the guys can't see the bases because they're not as smart as the day I was playing because everybody has cheat sheets. They looked at, okay, what should I throw to this guy? Pull it out of their back pocket. Hey, I need to I need to take two steps to my left in the outfield and take <laughs> two steps to my right. And the bases need to be bigger because... It's small. Before you know, we're going to be throwing beach balls. But go ahead, next. Yeah, well, Sorry.
1: I think I think they also probably bowl with the bumpers on, if I had to guess. If that I could the see case.
0: them putting bumpers on, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Like, um, go ahead.
0: So the pitch clock, I hate the pitch clock. Yeah,
1: the pitch clock, the enlarged bases. Uh, I mean, they're banning the shift. How do you feel about that?
0: As I a pitcher, liked, I think
1: you like the shift, right? I
0: No, I hated the shift. Really? I hated the shift because here's the thing. It was the shift became just like my last two years really popular, and I remember the shift being a lefty pull hitter, and then you just kind of moved everybody over like Mo Vaughn or Ken Griffey Jr. or something, yep. and you just moved everybody there, but you never shift to a righty, you no. know, and. And if the guy bunted down third base line, well, then he bunted down third base line. But it was almost like you prideful, like, oh, I'm going to hit the ball through the shift, you know, like Cliff Floyd and stuff like that. They wouldn't bunt the ball. Right. Even though it was an easy single because they were getting paid to hit doubles and home runs. But I like shading. I just don't like the shift as in like. So when I was playing, I remember throwing a pitch and catching it, turning around and going, where's the third baseman? Like there was one game that i didn't know the shift was on and i was in i was in a city field against the mets with the padres fly ball probably landed 5 feet from the third baseman third base on foul territory ball is up and i looked up and i looked over there's no one there there was nobody there and i started running and i couldn't get there in time and i was like man if i knew the shift was on i would have been there but nobody told me the shift was on So, and it was, it was Carlos Delgado. I ended up striking him out later, but it was, um, it was just like frustrating. Like I hate the shift. And then sometimes you see a ball hit, like, you know, as a fan, I'm watching on TV, it gets small hit up the middle past the pitcher. And I'm like, Ooh, that's a hit. And the shortstop's just standing there.
1: Yep. Or it gets, or it gets smoked, you know, where, you know, the gap would be between second base and first base. And Manny Machado is playing in short right field.
0: Yeah. But so here's the thing is like, I think you, it's okay to sh- shade and this and that, but not to shift every single time. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's almost, it's, you know, game, it's a game of chess, but it's like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to put my, I'm going to put people here, here and here. It's like, yeah. you know, if you're in the NFL and go, I know you're going to run to the right side. So I'm going to put everybody on the right side. And it's almost like the quarterback can't throw left. Right. He just is not allowed to do it. The more that but I think about it, right
1: the more that I think about it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, I, th- I think I'm okay with them banning the shift because if you think about it hundred years before that, no one ever shifted. Like you just well, said, it just started coming two years. You know,
0: here's the, the thing I was playing the last year was 15 and Joe Madden said in 14, I think it was, he goes, we've been doing this for 10 years or the last five years. So let's just say 10 years. And he goes, it's worked. And my comment in my head, because I didn't want to get mad at the manager. Okay. The game is 150 years old. And you're telling me the last 10 years you had data and it works. That is less than 1% or what is that? That's 5% of the whole game. So you're basically going to say 5% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's a great movie, Anchorman, Yep. 60% of the time, Sex Panther works, works every, every time. time. So <laughs> it, it's just one of those things like, ah, you, you can't tell me it works all the time. Like, here's the thing, Moneyball. It was a good movie, but it really was, you never talked about, they had the three best pitchers in the game at the time. You never talked about Eric Chavez was the best third baseman and one of the best hitters in the game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You never talked about those four guys.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and everybody started doing Moneyball. And by the way, at the very end, they even say Moneyball does not work in the playoffs. So is everybody just trying to get to the playoffs and not trying to win the whole thing?
1: Right. If you get to the what playoffs, is, then what are lose. they trying it to matter. do?
0: And it's, it, you know, Moneyball's is a good movie, but it's a movie. And yeah. it, when Oakland A's are not always the best team, and you could say, well, Oakland's always in the hunt. Well, yeah, but the Angels suck all the time, and so is Seattle, except for last year.
1: And the Astros you know, just started getting good.
0: You know, the Astros have been cheating for a while. <laughs> and uh who else is there? You know, it's just one of those things. So, I mean, I'm always gonna say the yeah. Astros cheated. Um, yeah, um, it just it's it's bad. Yeah, As I just pitcher, until I'm their sure team breaks up, gears. I just I don't believe that. You you can't tell me that they the oh, and here's another thing Manford's great at. He gave immunity to the Astros and said, Well, just tell me what's going on, nobody's gonna be punished. Oh, yeah, we cheated. Oh, but we never know wanted to know exactly what what you did. He didn't think there was a big backlash of all the players getting mad. Great Manford, you're awesome. Strike three, quit. I think you should quit anyway.
1: I agree. I really do. Um, It's unfortunate. Um, The one thing I will say about the shift really quickly is that Eric Cosmer will probably get more hits, (laughs) which we need him to do.
0: (laughs) Yes, Eric. Eric Cosmer reminds me of Cliff Floyd back in the day. If you didn't shift, he would get a hit. If you shifted, you you better run fast. Yeah, (laughs) That's that's literally, I remember um, stories of uh, when I was a Met Cliff Floyd, great guy, by the way, but um, he he couldn't get a hit for like a couple of days because they put the shift on or whatnot. He would go early, take early batting practice on the field and try to hit the ball the other way. And I would shag and I would run. It was kind of my, you know, I go out there and run around Audio. so I didn't have to run poles and shag balls for him early. And he could not hit a ball the other way. Him hitting the ball the other way was like hitting the ball to center field. But then the next game, he would crush the ball to center or right, basically right field, pull the ball, but get hits. Yeah. And, um, you know, if I was with, if I was in the Padres clubhouse, I'd be telling Eric to do that right now. Like, dude, just get out there early, try to hit the ball to center. Yeah. And then get well, in the game and go ahead and pull the ball again.
1: But I, I have opinions on Eric Hosmer and I don't like bad mouthing players at all or anything, but, It it, does. It does sound like he might be a little bit stubborn when it comes to criticism. And for me, it's a very interesting hire that the Padres made this offseason. The 27 year old hitting coach that happened to be Jake Cronenworth's uh, teammate at Michigan, um, who was with the Giants for a little bit in their developmental program. Um, He's going to be the one giving criticism to Eric Cosmer on how to get the ball in the air and and how to, uh, you know, stop grounding out. And it's going to be interesting to see if Hosmer will um, put aside his pride and listen to the kid on how to hit better baseballs.
0: Yeah, let me, you know, here's the thing. Unless you have a good relationship with somebody like that, it ain't going to work. I mean, here's the thing. Why did the Padres get rid of Mark McGuire as a hitting coach? Was he not good? Did people not respect him? Well, I
1: think he was just a bench coach
0: well, okay, bench coach, hitting coach, you're going to do that. If I was right. a bench coach, I'm going to help pitchers out. When he
1: was one. when he was on the staff, they had that streak of like 20-something games with a home run, which was like a record in, yeah. in the National League. Or maybe I'm pretty
0: long-term. sure. I mean, here's the thing. Like Bud Black was a great manager, but he let Darren Balsley, the pitching coach, do what he needed to do. But Bud would sometimes talk to the pitchers in like – um, the pitching coaches permission or in, when they were there together. Right. Pretty sure Mark McGuire talked to the hitters, of course, same time the hitting coaches did, but it was a sense of, Hey man, I know you've been, you've been in where I've been in. I know you've struggled. I know you've done well. You know what it's like to strike out on a curveball, and then try to go hit the curveball the next to bat or, you know, some days you just can't see it. And what do you what do you do? How do you get out of the slump? Right. Um, you know, do you do, you eat, you know, sacrifice a live chicken? Um, <laughs> what 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 else do you do? I mean, there's a bunch of I things. L- I, relievers like that. Try I like to that do method.
1: With, let's let's sacrifice all the chickens.
0: Yeah. You know, chicken's good. You yeah, know. Got, uh, um, you bring up. Wade, you bring up Wade Boggs in the playoff or the Hall of Fame chicken.
1: Well, Darren, anyway. I guess Wade Boggs. I think he can put down a lot of beers too. Chicken and beers. Uh, heard some stories. I'll yeah, will tell you about, uh, Another story. You bring up Darren Bosley, and I've actually wanted to ask you this question. He's an amazing pitching coach. We all know that, but if you look at the track record of Padres closers, right? Trevor yep. Hoffman, yourself, Houston Street. Kirby Yates, Brad Hand. Brad Hand and, and Kirby Yates, those guys are guys that were picked up of, of waivers, right? Yep. You, you were in a trade. You weren't even the headliner in the trade. It was Royce, Royce Ring in the, in the headliner yeah. of the trade, right? Yeah, I was the throw-in. So so when it comes down to it, do we think that Darren Balsley gave you guys the edge to become elite closers?
0: I think Balsley... Um,
1: Did he unlock you know, something?
0: He, Balsley literally gave you the... Um, uh he gave you the advice to be yourself. Like he didn't want you to do anything that you weren't uncomfortable with. But when you like when you struggle, he gave you the confidence that you needed. Kind of like there was one spring training, and I was just, you know, I started off bad and I was not doing well. And he just looked at me and goes, Heath, shut the fuck up. Sorry, I'm cussing. He goes, Shut the fuck up. You you're smart. You'll figure this out. And I went, I looked at him, I'm like, you don't, you're not gonna help me. And he goes you're smart. And he walked off. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? And, and then I was just thinking like, geez, and the next day he patted me on the back and just goes, Hey, have you figured it out yet? And he's like, I just said something like, man, I just, I, I got to stay back a little bit more. And he goes, yeah, exactly. Let's go work on that. And it was just kind of like he, he knew, but, or like another instance, he walked over and goes, Hey, you're dropping your arm a little bit, but I don't want you to worry about it. Don't think about it. You're pitching great right now, but you I just want you to know that, but don't even work. Don't even work about it. Like, don't we'll, work. We'll work or, on, next work on time. it. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> just like, don't work on it. Just wanted to tell you that. And you walk away and I'm that's like, in your head. I'm like, what the hell is he talking? Like, am I dropping my arm or doing what? So he was just, he was, he was quirky. He was, but he always had your back and was always, you know, he'd come up to you and say, Hey, our polls is, is crushing curveball, right? Curveballs right now, but he can't hit your curveball. So keep throwing, keep throwing it. You know, it's just he gave you that confident that you're like, you know, he like Kirby, you'd probably tell him, dude, you know, hey, everybody knows you're throwing that splitter, but nobody can hit it anyway. So just keep throwing it. Just tell people you're throwing it. Yep. So all of a sudden you'd be like, dude, I'm nasty, even though you're probably not as nasty as you think you are. Well, he gave you that confidence and that just that you can do it, and that little quirky about him. That everybody loved. And when you, I'm telling you, when you have a coach, a manager, or anybody that you feel like you could be on your worst day and they're patting you on the back and said, don't worry about it. You'll be there tomorrow. And they put you in the next day. Even if it's the same situation against the same guys, you feel a sense of pride Mm -hmm. and like this thing that I don't want to let this guy down. And he believes in me so much. I'm going to get it done. Even though I sucked yesterday. And I'm telling you, he's just one of those guys that that gave it to you. I think Bochi was one of those guys too. I think Bud Black was one of those guys. And there's probably a, there's probably only a handful of guys that you can say that anybody can say that in the right. game. Where I don't,
1: I don't think it's any coincidence that the Padres pitching staff is nasty, and then Bud or then um, Balsley steps away from being a pitching coach, goes up into the front office, and we get Rothschild and pitching is disaster i don't think there's any coincidence there now we have a new no. pitching coach so from- whose
0: fault is that let's talk about that well whose i mean fault
1: is i mean you know that we could place blame on a lot of different people um i'm hearing rumors that maybe tingler was someone to blame there is a player on the current staff that uh, should not be named but had mentioned to me that no one really liked tingler that no one, yeah. the guy didn't know what he was doing and that no one respected him. And like, if you're talking about guys like Bud Bud Black and Bochi, who, you know, Bud Black, I think won coach of the year and and Bochi's won multiple world series. Like those are and guys let, that let, understand the place. Let me put it this
0: way. Who got rid of Bud Black? Who brought in Tingler? If you get my drift, I'm not going to say it right now because I'm going to wait a couple more episodes I before I kind of blow it I, up.
1: I get it, I get it.
0: But my thing is, He's kind of the problem that the Padres have. I really do because me, I, mean, I can. I'm gonna go into it in different times about different things, but yeah. gosh, the Padres have so much talent, and it's like you need you need somebody just to harness to like all the pitchers, nasty pitchers. Let's get let's get rid of the guy that's always brought brought pitchers together that were nobodies that became somebody's. Right. Let's push him over here because I have somebody better, and it sucks. But you need your lead, you know, hitting the same concept. Your leader, your head guy is, is your manager. That's yeah. the guy that basically, unfortunately, doesn't make the lineup anymore, but makes the lineup. But he's the guy that tells your star Machado, like, hey, do you, do you need a day off this Sunday, Wednesday, whatever day it is? And then he goes to the, the backup guy, whoever that is at the time. Hey, Machado probably going to take Sunday off. And this is like Friday. You're going to get Sunday you're going to start Sunday. And then you actually do start Sunday. You know, you, you trust him because he tells you, Hey, I might put you in, you know, to pitch hitting. If I get a situation for it and he puts you in there, he doesn't go, Hey, Sunday, you're going to play on Friday. And then Sunday comes, and you're not in the lineup. And then all of a sudden you're like, "What?" well, you know, the 23 year old that does the lineups doesn't think you're good against this pitcher. You know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, well, who's making these, who's who's in charge, my manager or the 23 year old that's making lineups or whoever is making lineups for the Padres. I just know from, I know two, two other organizations, I don't know for the Padres that it's literally like 20 to 20, 23 to 24 year olds make up the lineups in the right. major leagues.
1: That's wild. And, lucky, lucky guys. That's pretty fun.
0: <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, one of them is the New York Mets. And the Mets well, actually, they, they have see. a locker room right next to their locker room. And the players were literally chewing them out this past year because when they win a game, they'd come in the locker room and celebrate this. Those guys were coming in and celebrating, but when they lose a game, they're the first ones to get out. So they started chewing them out mid to end of season. So it was kind of fun. The, some of the stories I heard, Well, but, we, uh, we get Bob
1: Melvin now, right. As a, as the manager. Um, I think
0: Bob's going to be all right.
1: I think I think he will too. And but do you think this will be a similar situation where he's not going to have power?
0: Yes, That's I think uh, Bob's going to be like he is in Oakland. Doesn't have power. He can't do exactly what he wants to do. But I think Bob is a good leader. I think he will inspire the guys. But unfortunately, he's not writing the lineup card. And I think I mean, here's the thing: you had a coach the Padres had a coach that everybody loved, everybody endured, everybody respected, played the game, was a great ball player, stole a base that was unbelievable and doesn't get a shot of interviewing for the manager's job. And then he goes to another team just North and he He won a world series. Series. And he's been at the world series a couple of times, Dave Roberts, how does that happen?
1: It's ridiculous.
0: How, how does that happen?
1: And he's a San Diego guy. He's from San Diego.
0: Yes. How does that happen? It, it only happens because besides your manager, your front office leaders have no idea what they're doing, what, unless they're doing what they want and not what's best for the organization. Because I will tell you, as a baseball player, sometimes it was not the best thing for me to go pitch or for me to go do something. Even though I wanted to do it, it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And it sucked, but it was the right thing for us to move forward. Yeah, And you have to do that sometimes. You have to do things you don't want to do. Like if, Like if you ever become a dad one day, and all dads know this, we don't like getting mad at our kids, but we have to do it because if we don't get mad at them and we don't discipline them and don't give them rules... Don't punish them when they break the rules like coming home late or something. They're going to be horrible adults, plain and simple. They're not going to, you know, they'll be horrible um, um, t- adolescent teenage kids or whatnot. But, and sometimes, you know, you're at Disneyland with the kids and they do something they weren't supposed to do. And you have to sit out the ride with the child, even though you want to go on the damn ride. <laughs> And you can't do it. And you're like, man, they're ruining yep. fun. And then sometimes it's like- It's better for the future. It, it definitely is better for the future. And that's, you know, getting back to the Padres. I mean, here's the thing. So many people asked me during the pandemic, does the pandemic season matter because the Padres almost got to the World Series? My number one thing was every TV or radio show I was on was it depends what we do the next year or two. Next year, we sucked. Once again. Awful
1: choked at the end of the season
0: so therefore the pandemic year doesn't mean crap
1: doesn't mean anything no i mean and, this is and the if our front it's, office it's still thinking
0: well our pandemic year hey we went to the playoffs you're yeah you're you're wrong
1: no I, i'm right there with you I, I think it's tough because i think a lot of people look at the man in in, in charge aj preller and they see that he has brought Tatis to San Diego, right? He's the one that got Machado to San Diego, right? He's the one who pulled off all these crazy trades for Blake Snell and you, Darvish. And fans are excited and motivated about that, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: if it doesn't translate to wins, doesn't translate to success
0: on the field, then
1: what's it for? It doesn't matter. You know, well,
0: here's the thing um, AJ did a lot. He traded a lot of our prospects away. Yep. To get like at least the Jeff entire organization. Kent. Yeah. And then he traded those guys away. Yeah. The only one that, that turned out was Tatis and then uh, Jake Cornworth. Yeah. The only two guys that have really panned out Machado, you throw enough money at Machado. He was coming. You throw enough money at Eric Cosmer. He was going to come.
1: Right. And that one is a disaster so far.
0: Well, you know, honestly, Eric, I don't think is as dastard as everybody thinks he is. He does a lot of um, stuff on defense and He's a good guy in the clubhouse. He so, was,
1: he was the last ranked defensive first baseman last year.
0: Okay. Well, they didn't play him all the time. Yeah. Well, and if you're going to go, if you're, gonna, if you're going to, if you're going to say that, then I was probably the worst closer in the game when I was, cause I, for some odd reason, the first guy always got on against me, but he never scored. So, you know, I, I maybe made a lot of people have gray hair. But I was really good at a couple of, for flight. Like you were three. great, man. You were great. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but no. you know, it's just it's one of those things, you know. Yeah, um, of course. But it, it's yeah, Eric hasn't been exactly what Eric was. But if you look at Eric in um, Kansas City, he wasn't Machado. He was a good first baseman that put up some you know good numbers and had some you know good years and some okay years. You got to play them all the time. But if I really believe Eric's one of those guys, if you're going to play against this guy and not playing against that guy and not get into rhythm, Eric's going to suck. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. Eric is one of those players that has to play he Needs reps 150 games a year. I really do. There's, there's guys that can be bench, get bench guys and do great off the bench. There's guys that can be platoon in. you know, like, two right fielders and then they'll be great. But Eric is one of those guys that if he doesn't play all the time in 80, 90% of the time, he's going to suck. I really do. I mean, I'm sorry, Eric, if you're listening, love you, man, but you're one of those guys. And I kind of felt like if I wasn't one of those guys that, you know, I had to pitch multiple innings or if I was um, just pitching random times um and not like in close situations, I kind of wasn't that good. But if yeah. you put me in a one-run game, I was really a lot better than what I was if you put me in a four- Locked or five-run game.
1: That, that kind of seems to be a trend with a lot of relievers, right? Where like they have kind of like a cushion of runs, right? Where maybe they're not as hyper-focused as they would be when there's a one-run lead or two-run lead. I mean, I have noticed that just some, just my time watching baseball, you know, like, well, he,
0: here's the thing. I just, it's not so much not focused or whatnot as a reliever with a lot of runs and this and that being up or down a lot of runs. They're just, it's, it it's, it's kind of like this. Your defense will play better for you. If, if the, if you're up by one mm-hmm. or if you're down by one, I truly hundred percent believe that, but if you're down by four or five, that outfielder doesn't get to that ball that he probably would have if it was a one run game. Right. And there's just some pitchers that do really well in those situations. There's some pitchers that do really well when they're up, you know, three or four or five or six runs. And when they're down, I mean, there's some guys that can start games and then when like the starter gives up five in the first, and then you bring in that mop up guy and he ends up going six innings and doesn't give up any run, but if he started a game, he would pitch five innings and give up five in- runs. Right. So it's, baseball's funny. It's one of those things that you can't calculate. You know, why is it like um, Joe Torrey always started you pitching or um, um, hitting, even if you were the last guy on, on the bench on your birthday. So many managers played guys on their birthday and they always did well. But now we have computer geeks that are literally going, well, this guy does well against this batter, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. You know, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, uh, Anthony Rizzo Padre, mm-hmm. you now cub Yankee or <laughs> short free agency. Padres. I don't know where he's at now.
1: <laughs> yep. Yankees. Um,
0: yeah, we'll finish with Yankees, but isn't he a free agent?
1: He's a free agent now. Yeah. No one knows yeah. he's going to go. Cause we can't talk to players yet.
0: <laughs> we could talk to players. <laughs> um but here's the thing is like we knew rizzo and he might have changed when he was in chicago or or now he maybe but we knew if you threw um over 94 miles an hour he was unless he was cheating you were going to beat him every single time but if you threw 94 or below oh he would crush the ball
1: yeah. so
0: like when i faced him it was when um it was like i better have my good fastball otherwise i'm not going to throw him a fastball cuz he'll crush the fastball Mm-hmm. You know, if I was throwing a 95 or up, I was going to, I was going to get him. I'll just throw all fastballs, but, um, because he knew I might throw a breaking ball or change up on him. So it's just one of those things that if he knows a fastball is coming at 98, he can hit it. But if you're just, you know, throwing curveball, changeup, change up slider, and you only throw 92 to 94, he'll crush your fastball. I mean, he's that good. But if you throw 95, 96, he ain't going to crush your fastball. We just kind of knew that, but why is that? But then some guys can hit the 98, like it's nothing probably like Machado can. Right. So, but it's just, there's no rule. There's no rhyme or reason. So it's just one of those things that going back to, you you can't have, you can't computerize everything, you can't mathematically everything. And when you, yeah, I know AJ's brought Machado here and Eric Cosmer and you know, but for the last couple of years, we were going to trade Will Myers, and we never did.
1: Right, and Will exactly. Myers sucked. Yeah, and you mentioned it a little bit ago that he blew up the entire farm to get Matt Kemp and Justin Upton and Craig Kimbrel, and, and and here's Derek the thing: Norris.
0: How did do you remember how we got Tatis?
1: Yeah, it was James Shields. We signed James Shields for his massive contract. He was terrible. He allowed a home run to Bartolo Colon, traded him, <laughs> we, traded him to the
0: White Sox. And that looks we like- We traded him for the White Sox for four guys and yep, an A-ball yep. guy was Tatis. Yep, it was
1: Eric Johnson and some other dudes and Tatis. Tatis wasn't yeah, even the headliner. So
0: that Tatis you, was it, you in
1: the trade. You were you, He was a throw-in.
0: <laughs> exactly. And why did Tatis do so well when he first got to the big leagues? You have to admit that somebody had a huge part in it. his dad. Well, his dad, his dad was legit. And his dad was awesome player. I loved his dad Um, was because Machado really pulled for him. And so did Eric Hosmer. They did. They did for sure. They went to the owners. They went to the owners, not to the GM and said, we need him. Especially, I think Machado did more than he was on the
1: opening day li- lineup. It was a big thing whether or not they were going to put him in the
0: open day lineup, and they did. So, and I, did. I think if I think if AJ had a chance, he would have not he had a back open lineup. That's wild. And that's and that's the thing is why are you there? Because let's get back to Manford, and we don't have baseball. Manford's not doing the best thing for the game, he's doing the best thing for the owners, right? So, when the Padres situation, and I know we're all over the place. But Hey, it's first episode. That's what we're doing. We're all over the place. But here's the thing is AJ, why, why did you even think about bringing it back? Because you were trying to save money for the owners or were you trying to say you should go to bat and say, this guy will be your next star. Yep. Or he has potential of being your next star, but let's get him cheap for the next couple of years. It's ridiculous. But but do you want to, do you want to win now? Or do you want to just have a star for the future? It's ridiculous because of the fact that if
1: they were to hold him back, then they would have potentially soured a relationship. And look at the contract now. He's locked in for 14 years. It wouldn't have mattered, right? Like You, you bring exactly. him in, and he's already extended. It doesn't matter. If that's the guy that you intend to be your superstar, he's going to get extended anyway. So it's, it's, all, it's all really interesting. All this MLB union stuff is really frustrating. I'm glad we have each other to talk about it every week now. Um, hopefully we'll get some games back. Uh, Heath, thanks for <laughs> joining me tonight. Uh, this is a good first episode of Ring the Bell Podstock. Um, and we'll see you next time, guys.
0: Yeah, really quick, before we go off air, I got I to gotta give you a wager. What do you think the wager is that we're going to have a hundred games this year slash maybe only 60 games this year.
1: Well, I'm no longer willing to put the mortgage of my house on it. So,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I, oh,
1: man, it's tough. I think 120 games is something that is maybe doable. Um, I, I don't know. It's so hard to say, you know, cause it seems like they're so far apart still. You know, I looked at Max Scherzer's tweet today and he was just saying, hang in there, you know, like we're trying the best we can, but like, we're just so far apart and, I think it's at,
0: 50, 50. We even play a hundred games this year. Unfortunately.
1: It's so unfortunate. I mean, I, I've got tickets for Padres Dodgers on like April 20th or something. It's like the first Friday night game. It's and uh, Yeah. It's not happening. It's it's not, I'm I'm pissed.
0: Hey, really quick. If we do have, um, if we do have a game this, uh, this summer and we do have a season, we got to figure out to do a podcast or a live thing during the season. I'll fly out to San Diego. Oh, we will. And, uh We'll, yeah, we'll have some airs. We'll, I know some breweries or some bars we can do.
1: Oh, there's quite a few in, in sunny San Diego.
0: Oh, there's just one or two. So anyway. <laughs> sponsor us, all you breweries out there. Yeah. I know one that might sponsor us if we actually do some good episodes. So awesome. anyway, all I'm right, gonna, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get, I'll reach out to the guys and see how, and maybe we'll get sponsored. So. Then we'll get free beer. Love it. I love free beer.
1: This episode of Ring the Bell Podstock is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code BELIEVE to get your free welcome bonus. Go lock in some bets. March Madness is upon us. Win some money. Do it for your team. Do it for your family. And do it for the Padres.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure
1: their crew can always go the extra mile